Welcome to today's podcast with Pat Gallagher. I'm Jake Hirschman. Here today we are talking about separating yourself, something that you know a lot of people really try and do as they're early on in their careers. Maybe as they go on, they don't think about it as much, but it's something that um, Pat has some insights to share today about in terms of really getting into the sports industry. Obviously, it's extremely competitive, but then once you're in it, it's still extremely competitive and trying to get to the top and and continuing to move up and move around. So Pat, without further ado, uh, good morning. Hey, good morning, Jake. How are you doing? Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful. Uh, I I think that, you know, where we should, this is, I guess we're addressing this mostly to uh, people who are either, you know, in the uh, who are, are either new to the business, trying to get into the business, you know, I, I guess a lot of sort of millennials, if you will, it certainly can apply to other people. But um, that's sort of what I'm thinking about, um, you know, as I, as I start talking about this. Yeah, I mean, one thing, I, I guess, really a question to ask is, what does it mean to separate yourself? And, and how do you do it? You know, talking from experience uh, throughout your career, you know, what are maybe some examples of, of people that have been able to separate themselves? How did you separate yourself as you moved up? Okay. Separate, you know, separating yourself, I mean, that can be a good thing or sort of a bad thing, I suppose. Sure, sure. What I, what I say separating yourself is that what you're trying to do is that when somebody says your name, they associate something with that. And what do you, what would you like that to be? How would you like to be, to, you know, to be viewed upon? And um, so it, it's, you know, it, now we all talk about brand and everybody's personal brand, but I guess really that's what this is. And particularly in today's digital world where, uh, you know, growing up in the, as I did without all this technology, and I've, I've enjoyed learning how to use it, and I certainly aren't, I'm not as good at it as a number of other people, but this is even more so, more important in today's digital world where, uh, you know, my friend, my friend Scott McNeely, who ran and founded Sun Microsystems, had a great line about it. He said, anything you put out there, anything you put online, whatever, he said, it's your it's really like your digital tattoo. And what that means is if you put it out there, it's out there. And so we'll talk a little bit about what does this mean in a, in a digital sense. I also want to talk about what it means uh, sort of more in a personal sense. I mean, if you're standing in a, in a line uh, with 10 people, what is it about you that's going to separate you from the rest? I think really, that's really what I, what I think we're talking about here. Well, and a lot of people probably think, you know, well, it, it's just me. I, sure, I would separate myself from the rest and I, I should stand out. But what is it, you know, obviously you talk about the digital standpoint and, and yes, you you can kind of separate yourself from that sense. But you know, if you've got the same exact resume and you went to the same exact school and you've got the same exact experience, you know, you would think that the separator is, is your ability to interact in person, right? You know, you talk about the digital part, but, but really it's, are you a people person? Can well, you communicate, you know, talk a little bit about that. I think that's a, it's a great point because people hire other people. Uh, you know, they don't hire resumes necessarily. They hire other people. And one of my, earliest uh, bosses told me, gave me some pretty valuable line that I've always remembered. He says, the only reason somebody hires somebody else is to take a problem off their back because everybody sort of has a boss. And so when they're looking at me as a, as a potential person to help them, they're, they're looking at a real short period of time to say, okay, is this person going to help me solve my problem or are they going to be a bigger problem? And we'll talk later on in this in this podcast about you know the difference between people who solve problems and the people who create problems. But I think I think separating yourself on a personal basis and developing sort of your your own personal brand that that has to be you. You you can't. I mean, Jake, you wouldn't be me. I can't be you. People hire other people, and and particularly in this business. I, we're assuming here that you're, you know, that, that you don't have a, you know, Phi Beta Kappa key. You're not a Rhodes Scholar. You're not six five and run a four or five hundred. You know, you you don't have a perfect SAT score. What we're talking about here are just normal, regular human beings who have an interest 
in the sports industry, in the sports business industry. That's really what we're talking about here. Yeah, I mean, one one thing, you know, it's a great point on the, the problem solver and problem creator. I know we'll talk about that more, but, you know, one thing in, in determining your brand and kind of what represents yourself, you know, the, the situation that people always ask about is, hey, if that CEO or the president of that team walked in the room, you know, or walked in the elevator, what would you say? Would you say anything? You know, you got 30 seconds to impress the person. Talk a little bit about what an elevator pitch can do for you. Is it polished? Are you always adapting it over time? You know, that, those sorts of things. <laughs> Your elevator pitch, really what this is, and the whole term elevator pitch, I, I'm assuming that people know, but if they don't, this is if you, uh, you get on an elevator with somebody and you've got probably maybe 10 or 15 seconds, maybe a little longer to make some sort of an impression on somebody. So you're going to either make a good impression or you're going to make a bad impression or you'll make no impression. But whatever you do or whatever you say in that 10 or 15 seconds is either going to make somebody more interested in you or less interested, or they're going to want to get out of the elevator and not be around you. So this comes with, uh, it comes with practice in really boiling down sort of what are the things, what are the qualities that you have uh, into when I say it helps me to do it in bullet points, I, I, I'm sort of a bullet point guy. I think about things that way and I boil uh, concepts and ideas down to sort of their simplest thing. But I think what I'm talking about in an elevator pitch here is what is it, what is it about you that, that you can sort of in an elevator pitch answer the question, um, I should hire you to do that. Why should you hire me to do that? And it's, it sounds maybe a little intimidating to some, but it's really not. It's, it's, a, it's a way for, it's your sort of your, your verbal brochure, if you will, that gives people an opportunity to get to know you a little bit. You know, and sometimes it's not so mechanical as being a, a, a bullet point. Sometimes maybe it's, it's, it's a short story about something that is interesting. The good thing about stories is, particularly if they're not too long, is that not only... Uh, you, you learn something about somebody, but you get to hear them describe a situation, describe themselves, and they also are reading you uh, as they're doing it because a lot of times I remind, particularly young people and anybody, is that if you're interviewing for a job and you're interviewing whatever, they're interviewing you, but you're also interviewing them. You're trying to figure out in a maybe 15, 20 minutes is this somebody that, uh, that I can get up every day and, and charge ahead with? Or is this somebody that I, you know, I just don't want to spend a lot of time with? So a lot of times these first interactions are, you know, you, you, I think it's probably maybe true that you don't necessarily get a second chance to make a good first impression. But I think figuring out sort of what your, what your personal sort of elevator pitch is without being too mechanical is a, is a real important quality. Well, and a first impression, obviously, obviously extremely important, but there's, I think, a lot of underrated aspects of the first impression that people may not think about, right? You know, a firm handshake, looking people in the eye, whether it's how you, how you dress or, you know, is your shirt tucked in, like just some of those things that you wouldn't normally think about, right? But it, it really okay. does tell a lot about someone. I think I heard something, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I heard something about you could tell from looking at someone across the room, whether they're, you know, in, in upper management or, you know, if they're just the, the ticket sales guy, right? Like you can sometimes tell um, what people are in terms of, you know, their professional status just from their demeanor. Well, I think it's true. It, it, it's, it, are you there with your arms folded? You know, what's your body language like? Are you looking directly? Are you looking interested? Are you looking awake? I mean, it's, yeah, I think so. I think those kinds of cues are very important. And, you know, you hear about these stories, you know, the, 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 some of my favorite is about not making a good impression. It's a guy going in for a job interview and he's in the parking lot and there's no parking spaces and he's got his car and he's driving, he's looking for a parking space and he sees one and he guns it and pulls in right ahead of another person in there and the other person honks the horn, honks the horn at him, and and so the so the job applicant gets out and either either gives him the finger or does something that basically says, "Hey, I got it and you didn't." 
And so he goes into the, into the, for the interview, sitting in the, in the reception. And so the, you know, the, the, he gets brought into the room with the person who's going to interview him. And that's the person he just cut off in the car. So what, good what, luck. What, good <laughs> luck. What kind of, so the point is that that's maybe extreme, but I think it's really, really important. I, uh, I actually uh, learned this from somebody in one of my first jobs. Uh, they said the importance of going into an interview is, um, is the impression that you make right from the start. And people don't sometimes pay attention to you're walking into an office and there's a receptionist there and it, and every big executive uh, has, uh, he or she has probably an assistant, uh, how you actually treat those people. I swear, I saw somebody do this. I can't take credit for it, but I saw somebody show up at a job interview with a dozen donuts and they actually sat in the, in the lobby and handed a dozen donuts and just said, hey, look, I was just at the at, at Dunkin' Donuts or wherever, and I picked these up, and I thought maybe people in the office would, you know, might enjoy these. Now, that's maybe a little bit extreme, and, and not everybody could do that, but I think that person uh, right away made, a, made an impression, and it was, it was also an impression that made it memorable. The other memorable one, this is actually true, and I actually saw this, is that people were interviewing for a you know, highly competitive job. And, and it was one of those where you, it, 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 stacks and stacks of resumes and others, all of a sudden a box arrived at this person's uh, office, the, the person who's going to do the hiring. And it was about, a, I don't know, it's a pretty good sized box. And so he reached over and opened the top of the box and inside was a boxing glove mounted on a spring and it punched, it, it came up, it didn't punch him, but it came right up. <laughs> on the boxing glove was the, was was the candidate's resume attached to it. I just wow. thought I wanted to make, and the whole thing was I wanted to make a good first impression. So I mean, those are maybe a little extreme, but I think the point is, you're particularly in sports, it's serious business. But you know, as I like to say, we're also in the fun business. So I think that you could let a little bit of your personal style. It, when somebody looks at a line of people. And they say, and they're trying to figure out what it is about each one. You'd sort of like them to have something to say, you know, I remember that person. And you want it to be remembered for something good. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, then you talk about um, outside of people's experience or what school they went to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, what do you, what do, you do that's different from other people, right? Do you, you know, write music? Do you, whatever yeah. that might be that, that kind of separates yourself other than just, oh yeah, I love sports. I watch sports. I breathe sports. I'm, you know, fantasy sports. And yeah. it's like, at some point it's like, okay, are you, are, what are you uh, as a person, right? Are you going to be a fit in a culture? And well, Yeah. And I think when I'm interviewing people or when I have interviewed people, I'd like to try to get them talking and it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean it's important what the story is, but I'd like to hear somebody talk about themselves. I'll ask a question like something like uh, we're talking about a certain situation. What did you do in that situation? Or was there something that happened? Was there some sort of a, of an opportunity or problem that you came in contact with? And it could have been, you know, selling Girl Scout cookies. It could have been doing a paper route. It could have been in college. It could have been anywhere. But tell me a story about what you did to solve that. What that does is it gives people an opportunity to listen to a candidate talk and gets to know them a little bit. Um, usually, it has the effect of putting people a little bit at ease because if you can get somebody talking about themselves, a lot of times it, it sort of, sometimes it, it's, it, it sort of surprises them, but it's, it loosens them up a little bit. And if you, I tell you who you watch. If you ever watch some of the best uh, interviewers, either on television or on radio, who get guests in and they actually do a great job interviewing them, those are some tremendous skills that they have in drawing out information and getting people maybe to reveal a little more about themselves than they would like to do it. So, I would say this is as much of an art as it is a, is a science. But I think what we're talking about here is what can you do as a candidate to separate yourself from the rest of the pack? And some of these things are, are things that you can, you know, hopefully are helpful. Well, and I know we've talked about in previous episodes, you know, the networking aspect. Honestly, that's probably one of the most important things to do to separate yourself, right? In terms of yeah. talking about getting 
your resume in the right stack, you know, do you know someone? And sometimes, you know, it's a, it's a not what you know, it's who you know. And I, I know that's said a lot, but it's, it's true. Yeah, um, I don't think, Jake, I don't think, look, this is true in some cases. I don't think anybody ever gets somebody a job. I really don't think so. But I do think, um, I do think that sometimes you can help you can help with, with, a, with a recommendation or a personal relationship or an anecdote or something. You can help separate yourself from the pack. And you know, all of us now have the, the ability with, go back to the whole digital part of it. We can stay in touch with people a lot easier than we could before. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes, that, sometimes that goes to an extreme. I, 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 you know, there, there's nothing that, um, that takes the place of a human, warm human interaction. You know, email doesn't do it. Texting doesn't do it. Voicemail certainly doesn't do it. Um, but I think staying in touch with the people as you move through the, through the business world from the people who you, you started with to the people who, keep go, who, who you come in contact with, uh, maintaining a, a relationship and, and, and staying in touch. You don't have to be a pain in the neck about it, but staying in touch I'll tell you, I, I was in business, I was in the sports and entertainment business for you know, just about 40 years. And I probably referred 500 times more people than I actually hired because good people want to hire and good people want to help other good people. It's just the way it is. And yeah. if, somebody's, if somebody's a jerk, uh, first of all, you don't want to spend a lot of time with them. And, you know, look, I, I worked for some bosses that were, were terrific. And I work with some that, you know, I, I, you just wouldn't want to spend a lot of time with. So you sort of have to navigate yourself through all that. But when you're, you're putting together a network, which here's what you want people to say is you want them to say, you know, that Jake, you know, I, I want Jake on my team. Um, I may not know exactly what it is that the task is, but I've got a problem to solve and I got to figure out how to do it. Who are the people that are going to help me make it happen? Right. And sometimes it's not even the most qualified from an experience standpoint, right? It's just the person that you think could get the job done. Well, and it's also, it has to do more so with per people's attitude. I, I uh, you know, we'll talk in the next segment. We'll talk, I've, I've written about this. I've spoken about this thing called problem solvers and problem creators. So I, I'll save some of that for the next segment, but it's, they're really, I've sort of boiled it down is they're really two different types of people. And I think that you want to be, regarded as somebody who helps solve problems. Uh, you don't want to be regarded as somebody <laughs> who, who creates more problems, who, who, you know, I had somebody who I, uh, who I used to work for, who I won't name, uh, although if he's listening to this, he'll know who I'm talking about, who, you know, the, the chairman of our company, of our team at one point, was talking about this person and he, and he had a great line. He said, you know, this, this person, he really, you know, he puts out a lot of fires. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but how many does he start? You know, so, <laughs> are they are they self-induced fires, yeah. right? <laughs> Sometimes, you know, if you if you're always creating a, you know, you're looking for a dragon to slay uh, to either make yourself good, look good. Uh, that's not the the answer. But look, we're ta- <laughs> we're talking about the sports business here. We're talking about a business that, you know, we're not saving lives here. Okay, we're not smashing atoms. We're not discovering the cure for any disease here. You know, wish we could, but we, we're not. We're in the in the, the we're in a business that people are passionate about, and so you want to find people who are part of it, who who are, are enough of a, I think of enough of an interest in sports, but not so much of an interest that it overwhelms their judgment. And uh, when I got hired with the Giants back in the in the seventies, uh, one of the things that uh, uh, Bob Lurie, the the guy who the owner of the team who hired me, said. I had no spec. I had no sports background. I mean, I had a knowledge, but I had no sports background. And he, he told me <laughs> the reason why he hired me. He said, "Look, I've got I've got forty people, you know, and most of them in uniform. Who, when the team wins, they they celebrate, and when the team doesn't win, they they hang their heads." He said, "I don't need anybody else to do that. I need somebody how to figure out to make a way to make this into a business, whether we win or we lose. So it's you sort of have to have a little different attitude when this becomes your." vocation maybe versus your avocation hey it's it's great to be a sports fan but it doesn't necessarily qualify you uh as a uh, as a valuable member of the team 
No, sure. And attitude obviously affects effort. And we'll touch a little bit more about that as you kind of dive into problem solver versus problem creator. And we'll take a quick break to... Thanks for listening to our podcast. Uh, Taking a quick break here with Pat Gallagher. If you'd like to follow us, uh, subscribe at Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can find us, rate us. Uh, We'd really appreciate it. Any feedback you have, please submit to lifeinthefrontoffice at gmail.com. And we'll hear more from Pat in a second. Welcome back with Pat Gallagher uh, here to talk about solving problems because there's never a shortage of them. Right, Pat? Right. I mean, if there were no problems to solve, uh, we wouldn't get anything done. I mean, Peter Ubroth, who was a short-term commissioner of baseball, pretty interesting guy, he had had this line that he said, and he probably ripped it off from somebody else, but it's still a pretty good line. He said, you know, at any given point in time in business or, or in life, you're either getting better or you're getting worse but you're not staying the same. And so, uh, you know, when you think about that in sports or any type, other type of business, my observation about as you're analyzing and looking at people, and this is an oversimplification, but I think it's a pretty valuable way to look at it, is I, I classify people in two, different, in two different camps, two different classifications. And they're, they're, they're either problem solvers or problem creators. And I have to explain. So, these people can be highly educated, both can. They can be, they look good on paper, they can be attractive, they can be well-educated, they can say and do all the right things. But for some reason, there are people who figure out a way to solve problems. And they, they don't necessarily have to be the most educated, the most attractive, but through you know, a, 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 a discipline or a great work ethic, or these are people who can either lead a team or be a part of a team. There are people who just figure out a way to solve problems. And I'm not talking about necessarily big problems or small problems or things that, that go wrong. When things go wrong, these are the people that step up and they're there in, in good times and in bad times. And the other nice thing about problem solver types is I've always found that they're, they're a lot more fun to be around. Then I'll describe the other side, which are problem creators. And again, these can be highly educated. They can be very uh, attractive. They can say and do all the right things. But either through, well, a lot of times it's a, it's a sense of entitlement or it's a lack of discipline or it could be a bad attitude or it could be a bunch of things. These are people that somehow, for some reason, get tangled up in all kinds of things that have nothing to do with solving a problem. You know, they, 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 they always have an excuse, either that they're late or there's some personal issue or there's somebody, there's somebody who gets in the way. And so if you're a, as a, you know, as a, a boss, which we all will, will aspire to be that at some point, the people that you're looking for, you're looking for the ones that can help you solve the problems. They may not be the smartest and the most attractive, but for whatever reason, they're the ones that are there when you need them. And you want to identify the problem creators um, you want to identify them, have your antenna up before you, you let any of them into the, onto the team. And as a, and as a manager, you, you, you're not always going to get this right. You're really not. But once you identify somebody as a problem creator, you owe it to the rest of the team to figure out a way to move them off and to move them out of the way. Because if you don't, you're not doing your job. So it, as I said, it's a, it's a big sim- oversimplification. But if you tend to look at it as in any sort of a business situation, there, there, you know, there's problems to solve every day. There are people who can help you do it, and there are people who, who, who sometimes create more problems than they solve. You, you know, you want to bring in the first, and you want to avoid the, the latter. Sure, and like you said, it's not as easy as you think. You know, you can always make mistakes on people you bring in, and sometimes people evolve as they move throughout their roles too, right? It's not you know, maybe they come in a problem solver, but then all of a sudden they become a par- problem creator. Well, uh, and some, sometimes that happens as it, it's people's approach to problem solving. And it, it, none of us, I think it's the, if you're the kind of person who can admit that either you need help or every member of a team 
is not going to get it right all the time. And I think as a manager, you're kind of looking to see, is, is this a person who just needs some encouragement? Do, do they need to have their confidence built up? Do they need a kick in the ass? What is it that they need? Or do they need to, to you know, regroup and head off in a different direction? It's a, now we're starting to talk about management, which is a, a whole, you know, we could do series of podcasts about management and they're all are, they all are, is that I think that, um, you know, my friend, um, my friend, Bill Campbell, who uh, was, uh, you know, one of the great coaches of Silicon Valley, uh, who, uh, who's just a, a good close personal friend. He's not with us the last couple of years, but he said something great about management. He said that your title um, your title makes you a manager, but it's your people who decide whether you're going to be a leader or not. And I think that's a, that's a really good thing for anybody in, the, in business to remember is that, you know, your business card and the sign on your door doesn't really mean anything about how you're regarded as a leader. Sure. No, and, and Andy touched on, you know, leadership quite a bit in our last episode with him, you know, what is what is one of those qualities that you think a problem solver has, you know, that uh, that allows them to be a leader uh, as they move up the chain and, and into a management type of role? I think they're in it for the right reasons. They're not so concerned about what it is, how it affects them. They're interested in trying to figure out how to um, how to make something better, how to come up with a solution. And they're not necessarily interested in, the, in getting the credit for it either. The, you know, the, 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 you know, there are a lot of leadership stories about, you know, not worrying about who gets the credit, worrying about getting the job done. I think that it, in, a, uh, in any sort of a, certainly in sports, any kind of a business, but in sports, you know, no matter how good or how bad you are as a team and as an organization, whatever, you know, you're not going to win every game. You're not even going to be good every season. You're, you are going to be good, but how you, when you visualize people and what they do when things are going well, um, you don't really learn much from that. I learned about people when things aren't going so well. You sort of learn who's, you know, who's got some, some humility, who's got some stick to who's, you know, sort of been knocked down and overcome some, some adversity in their lives. Those are the people that I want. I want the people who have those kinds of qualities. Well, and, and it's one of those things, too, the, to go back to separating yourself, right? If you've been able to overcome adversity and overcome certain obstacles in your life to get to where you are or you have a story to tell, you know, going back to what Andy had said in a couple episodes ago about running, running to the chaos and not from it, right, and, and being able to show something for being able to take a, a poor situation and turn it into into good um, right. as opposed to you know if you work for the golden state warriors today yeah that's a pretty that's a pretty you know easy flowing job with them winning some championships right well, on the business side yeah and and what starts to happen is you start to think hey you know i'm pretty good <laughs> yeah and if you well if you can't look good working for a, an organization who just won the world championship or who did that um you know you're 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 deluded i think what I'm, what I look for more are the organizations that either aren't doing well or haven't done well for quite a while, who are just go- are going to get better. Who are the people that actually help them get better? What were the decisions that they made along the way, not just on player personnel and that sort of things? What were the business decisions that they made that showed their character? Um, I think culture and developing culture as a leader and as an organization. Uh, is a and I know we'll talk about that more in future podcasts. But uh, having a culture, you know, when you work in sports, being a part, being a part of something that's happening that that has that has a terrific culture and contributing to that is really really important. I mean, I, you know, I never got stock options uh, in, my sport, <laughs> in my in my sports jobs, you know, uh, but but I did get to work for something where uh, you know p- people kind of say. Uh, you know, you go to a you go to a party. And nobody wants to talk to the venture capitalist or or the unless they're looking for a job or the right. other. They want to talk to the sports guy. They want to say, well, you know, that, and and talking about the about sports, it's more interesting than talking about the weather. You know, I mean, what do you think about those Giants? What do you think about now? Now we've got the postseason going on, and everybody's got an opinion. 
And uh, that's the beauty also of live sports is that no matter how much of an expert you are, you know, as an owner, as a media person, as a, you know, just sort of a, a guy sitting at the bar, is that nobody knows exactly what's going to happen until it actually happens. That's the magic part of what this business is. And it's different. I mean, you don't get that in professional wrestling. You always sort of know that the Harlem Globetrotters are going to beat the Washington Generals. But with competitive sports and entertainments, particularly competitive sports, you don't really know what's going to happen until it happens. So being a part of that is a that's that's what drives the passion of why people want to be a part of this. Yeah, I mean, you think about the weather. You'd like to hope that the forecast is right most of the time. Usually it's not, but for the most part, you either know if it's well, going to be 60 or 40 or 100 degrees, right? I mean, yeah, that doesn't see, change too much. It does, except that, and I've kidded with uh, Andy and uh, maybe Fred on this thing. They said, in my next life, I, I think I want to be a weatherman because you can just sort of say, <laughs> here's what I think. Now, and if, if it rains when you said it was going to be sunny, you just kind of said, well, you know, I was wrong. And uh, here's, you know, <laughs> most people want to know whether they should put on a sweater or whether they should bring an umbrella. What should they do? So, look, it, it is uh, sports is way more interesting than talking about the weather. Um, but I think the whole point of problem solvers and problem creators is you want to be you want to look for as a manager, people who can help you solve problems and and be there thick or thin. You want to avoid the people that don't either don't show up or don't have the kind of uh, grit and determination and and discipline that you need to help you do that. And you want to have the wisdom to sort of be able to to determine the difference between the two as you're going forward. Yeah, and obviously you want to try and find as many problem solvers as possible. And as you kind of move throughout your career, you want to, you know, know problem solvers that know problem solvers that know some other problem solvers. And so talk a little bit about, you know, what your network can do for you. How do you kind of take care of your network, um, feeding your network? It's, it's kind of a concept you have uh, in terms yeah. of where, where that can help, you know, create that culture like you were talking about. Well, it, your network can be pretty simple. I mean, it's, you know, most of us have a very small group of friends, and then we have maybe a bigger group of family, and then we have a bigger group of people who are friends and acquaintances. And a lot of that changes over a period of time. But there are certain people that you come in contact with in the business world or in the education world, for whatever reason, are people that you just connect with in some way. And you work with them on a project and then you move on. Um, I think that I think it's really important. And now it's really it's it's so much easier to stay in touch with people. You're, aside from your reputation, your personal reputation, your network is the most important thing that you have. So when somebody says, hey, what do you think about this guy, Jake? What do you want him to say? You want him to say, you know what? I want that guy on my team or I want to be a. It, those are the kinds of things and nurturing your network. A lot of times also your network doesn't necessarily just have to say good things about you, but you can rely on your network to help you think through opportunities or think through problems. Um, you know, you don't always want to be going to your network of people when you need something, you want to be able to do it. And it's, it's a, uh, I think, again, it's another one of those things that is more art than science. I think a lot of it depends on how you really are as a person, how you're, you know, what your sort of personal habits and your integrity and your humility is. Um, but we've all seen people who uh, all, all they care about is the destination. They don't worry so much about how you get there. And I think your network is one of those things, one of those valuable commodities. And that's really how I look at it. That is, it, it, it helps, it, it's much easier to talk about somebody else than it is to talk about yourself and well, so you know it really is yeah no I mean I it's a great example I went to Indiana University this weekend to go watch a football game there with one of my colleagues and I happened to be at dinner and and the person I was with introduced me to someone and they happened to be at UCLA and I said wow you know started connecting the dots with people we knew and I'd never even met this person. And it's just one of those things that now you continue to keep in touch with them. Maybe you've met them one time, but yeah. you know, that's, that's all you need. Right. It's a, and it's, there's a difference between that and sort of glad handing. That's not what really we're talking about here. We're just saying that, look, 
as you move through life, as you've moved through business, whether in, in sports or elsewhere, you come in contact with a lot of people. And the ones you'll, you'll choose, uh, the ones that you'd like to stay in touch with, they'll also choose you as one of those. And you'll kind of build up. I mean, I looked at my, uh, so I get contacted on LinkedIn a lot, which I'm still trying to figure out LinkedIn, whether I think that's a, you know, it's, it's something that's just for job seekers or what right. it's for. But all of a sudden, without knowing it, I think, I, I don't know, I have a couple thousand connections on LinkedIn. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm all that, you know, that I'm all that great. It just means that I've had interaction with most of these people over the, you know, almost 40 years. Um, and it is a, uh, so that is sort of the a digital way to keep track of your network. But you know what? I think the old fashioned snail mail is a good way to do it. The just picking up the telephone and calling somebody or saying, I'm going to be in town next week. You get a chance for a cup of coffee. I think the informational interview, you know, seeing somebody for a drink or a cup of coffee, um, there's not as much of that going on as there probably should. Because you know what? We're all trying to figure it out. Everybody who's in this business is trying to figure out. They're, they're trying to figure out sort of, and nobody can do it right all the time. Um, so the journey of you, as you work your way through this is more important than the destination because you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. But what is it, what's it like going through that? And if you're going to choose this as a business to be in, it's, it's a business that, uh, you know, it rewards, it rewards humility and it rewards being genuine. It has a, if you get too cocky, it has a, has a way of slapping you around and sort of bringing you, bringing you down to size, which is, uh, you know, anybody who's in this business for a long time uh, sort of understands that. And, you know, you, you'd love to be able to, to, to inject maybe some of that wisdom into people who are coming through. So I think it's, it's probably, you know, it's the reason why, why Fred and Andy and I decided to do this podcast series is that if there's anything that we could sort of pass along that might help somebody else, um, it would be great. We, I always appreciated the sort of the elder people in the business, uh, wherever they were, who would take the time to pass along some wisdom to me, or they might scold me in some way, or might kind of, you know, basically say, hey, you know, you're not doing this right, move, move in another direction. I always appreciated that, because none of us have all the answers at the start. And I think it's our job to try to pass a lot of this stuff along to see if it's of value. And, you know, there's some people who, who you know, look at this and kind of say, um, well, why is all this stuff important? Um, you know what, we're in the people business. This is the people business. It takes people to make this. You know, we're not, you know, we're not building skyscrapers here. We're like I said, we're not, you know, we're not discovering uh, a cure for any disease. We're not saving lives. But what we're doing here is doing something that so many people care about that it's up to us to make sure that we uh, we sort of try to do it in the right way. And we try to it's it's I got to tell you, Jake, it's a lot more fun living that way, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, I've had one mentor. He told me, you know, it's it's a lifestyle. Your your work becomes your lifestyle. And, you know, if you can't accept that, then, you know, don't don't get into it. Um, and I think it, that's it's it, something it, that I've taken with me that, you know, the whole way as I've as I've started to uh, go throughout my career. Well, yeah. And, you you know, you talk to the you talk to people depending on wh where they are, what their level of success is. And the people who always seem to have a little bit of time for you. Um, those are the things that you remember along the way. You know, I, I think people who are looking, uh, the, the value of looking for somebody that you're interested in talking to and see if they'll give you an informational interview, 10, 15 minutes. A lot of them won't, but sometimes they will if you go and you're on their schedule. Aside from separating yourself from the pack, which is sort of where we started with this podcast, it, it, it's, it's a way that when they sort of say, when they bring in somebody named Pat or somebody named Jake, you say, yeah, you know, I remember that guy. And here's, and they have some sort of an impression. Hopefully it's a favorable impression. It takes, it, it takes effort to do it. Um, it's, and it's not done through necessarily through digital means it's warm human connection. And I think that's the, you know, that's the most fun part of this business. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of those points that you touched on in terms of the personal connection, you know, this will kind of be our last thing we wrap up with today, but effectively interviewing. And honestly, this goes for anyone that's currently in sports. That's, 
you know, continuously interviewing as they go throughout their career, whether they're interviewing uh, for a job or they're interviewing someone else. And then also for those, you know, that we've talked about that are trying to get in and, and, you know, what are those couple things that can make you stand out and, and that sort of thing. So what's your best advice in terms of effectively interviewing, whether it's for an internship, whether it's for a job, whether it's for a CEO position? Well, I got a couple of good pieces of advice early on. First of all, keep in mind that not only are they interviewing you, but you're interviewing them. Okay. So mm-hmm. you're, you, you're, you're, you're sort of sizing up whether this is somebody, and it usually an interview lasts 15, 20 minutes uh, if you're lucky. And so they're trying to size you up and you're trying to size them up. I think that the, it, somebody told me on my first job interview, because I was worried about um, what color my interview, my <laughs> resume, the paper, what, what, you know, what the type style was, all, you know, should I put that I was a Boy Scout? Should I put all this stuff on there? And this person said, you know what, don't, don't take that into, into you because if you carry a piece of paper into an interview, people tend to pay more attention to that than they do to you, which I think is pretty good advice. And I'm not saying that a, that a, a resume is not important, but it's certainly nobody ever got a job because of a resume. Nobody ever received a resume in the mail and said, oh, my God, this is the person I've always been <laughs> looking for. It's never happened. It's never happened. So, and it's on yellow paper. Even it's on better. yellow paper. Oh, my God. <laughs> Now, if you, if you put a typo on your resume, now that's something that's easy to avoid, so don't do that. But I think, that the, the, I think the best advice on an interview is it gives you the opportunity to be yourself. You're interviewing them. They're interviewing you. You get a chance to, to, to tell your elevator pitch in a, a small way, and they're trying to figure out whether is this person a problem solver or is this person a potential problem creator. And sometimes it boils down to something as simple as that. And, and also practice makes perfect interview, interview, every, every interview that you have, every time you have the opportunity to do it, and it's hard to do. It's hard to get up and, and go try to make an informational interview. It's hard to go in and talk about yourself, but every time you do it, you get better at it. And every time you do it um, also, this is another little piece is that, you don't you don't always make a sale. You don't always get a job. And so many people, if they don't get it, they don't make the sale, they don't get the job, they don't do whatever, that's it. I always was really interested as to, well, why didn't I get it? And is there anything that I could have done differently that would have made a better impression? Or if somebody either didn't buy what I was trying to sell, or they called me to tell me that uh, they weren't going to buy it anymore, rather than getting upset with them, I would say, well, thank you for, thank you for the business. Thanks for taking the time. And let's stay in touch. Maybe there's another opportunity down the road. And that's the secret is going forward is that you're sort of remembered by how you conduct yourself through all this. So it's, this, is a, this seems like some pretty common sense, but uh, it, it's not common sense when you're maybe going through it for the first time. Yeah. I mean, I know someone, I was actually talking to someone the other day about they had hired the first person that they had interviewed way back when for position. And then the person that finished runner up did a great job of saying, you know, thank you so much for the opportunity. Appreciate it. We'll stay in touch, et cetera. And another position came up six months later and all of a sudden, you know, that boss was the, fir- you know, that guy was the first person that that boss thought of. Right. This, to, to and this, this, I got to tell you Jake, all the time. I'm sure this happens all the time. And it, it is a, uh, and it's also a part of your character. You know, if you if you like put your best out there, whatever, and you don't get picked or you finish second out of, a, you know, out of a, a group for something, you know, some people get upset about it and they they sort of say, well, they didn't if they're not going to pick me, then I'm, you know, to hell with them. Well, I, you know what? It's not this is not people remember again, people. This is part of the, the developing your personal brand. And you, you actually learn more about people during the times that are tough or during the, during the times that maybe they didn't get what they wanted, you learn more about what people's character is all about during that than when you do when somebody's, you know, I, I always like to say that uh, a lot of people in sports, particularly owners, you know, it, it have this vision of themselves. They won't admit this, but they all have a vision of themselves in a locker room somewhere with somebody pouring champagne on their head. Well, that's not what this is, <laughs> all, that's not what this is all about. It's um, it's about a fun way to make a living. It's about a, something that makes a difference in people's lives. Um, and sports is certainly, certainly that. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you could you could almost consider that sports has a bigger impact on people than politics for some or, you know, other entertainment aspects. I mean, at the end of the day, when you have all those eyeballs glued to a television watching the Super Bowl on one day, you know, obviously mm-hmm. that makes an impact, you know, and I know we can tell stories about uh, what you did with Super Bowl 50 and we can, you know, talk more about that in another episode. But um, yep. one well, one last thing to touch on sure. with with you is you know, you talk about uh, some of the things that you can do to effectively interview and, and, but in terms of the interview, right, it's, it's really getting your foot in the door, right? right? Getting your foot in the door. And if you get your foot in the door, all of a sudden, all the things that we've been talking about on, you know, for the last 45 minutes have been, you know, the network and all, all this sort of stuff that you can become a problem solver and, and everything. But, Talk a little bit about getting your foot in the door and maybe one or two things that you really have to make sure you do to do that. Well, I love the term, get your foot in the door. You know what that really means? If you put your foot in the door, that means that somebody can't close it. <laughs> or if they do, they close it on your foot. You know? it, no, I think getting your foot in the door, it's how do you, how do you get started? And you know, we, I know we may talk about this later, the value of you know, most sports teams and a lot of businesses now do internships. And what that means is, they give people uh, who are in school uh, the opportunity to come in and, and work in my, in my business. And uh, I get a chance to get some value for that. I get a chance. It's almost like I get a chance in business. It's the sports business farm system in some respects is internships. And you, you'll find people in all kinds of organizations now, professional, college, whatever, and, and in sponsorship who sort of started out as an intern. And because what happens is when you get a chance to get in and get a chance to look under the hood at what these organizations are, it makes it a little less mysterious. You see that they're actually run by people. You know, they're, it's not just logos or shields or colors or mascots and all that stuff. These are actual people behind there who are doing it. So get, getting involved, and I say, trying to figure out a way to get your foot in the door for people who are just coming out of school, trying to find an internship. Um, is really, really a, an important way because it, it, it gives you a chance to see, it gives them a chance to see you, it gives, you a, gives them a chance, even if it's like a total grunt work internship, it's not going to last forever. Um, it, so it is- It's got really an end date way. at some point, right? Well, it does. <laughs> it does have an end date at some point. And it, it, there's so many people in this business now who, uh, who are in management, high management, I think- Fred's going to wind up talking to Derek Hall, who's the CEO of the, um, you know, the, the Arizona ball club, Phoenix ball club, uh, who started out as an intern. There's all kinds of other people in this business who started out right at the bottom. You know, I've heard a story about Roger Goodell starting in the mailroom. I'm not sure I believe that, but I've heard that as a story. I can't even picture him in the mailroom, but maybe that happened. But there's other people who started out um, in, in, in a low position and, um, it's, it's a good way to, to get involved. And there's, you know, it is a way also that um, gives you the opportunity to take a look and then to take a look at you. Yeah. And I mean, for even someone like myself, I think I probably went through seven or eight internships as I kind of went throughout school and grad school to where, you know, I tried to dip my, my toes into uh, every different part of the industry I, tr- I could, um, you know, that, I, that I was allowed to. And, and I think that that gives you a really broad perspective on, you know, providing yourself a direction of where you want to try and go with that next, um, that next gig or that next job. And, and it's one of those things where I wasn't afraid to get another one. Right. I think some people always no. think, Oh, I just got, I got to get an internship and I'm going to get hired on full time. And it's like, well, hold on. You know, uh, sometimes it's almost better to get multiple because then you don't get stuck in that full-time job where you realize four months in that you don't want it. Right. And, well, and also, also, yeah, exactly. Also in these things is it what, no, no matter how good or how bad it is, it's not going to be your last job. Right. I mean, and you know what, the one after that's not going to be your last job and more than likely the one after that's not going to be your last job. And so it's look, it, 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 these are stepping stones. It's I kind of look at it. It's almost like climbing the mountain. You're going from, you know, different, different perches, different base camps to try to, to try to get somewhere. And it's a um, it, it's really a great way to look at it in that you're um, you, you're just moving through the process. It's a journey, and uh, the 
The fun part is what happens during the journey. That's what happens because if you kind of say, well, I want to get there, what the heck is there? What, 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 you know, I, I've said this, this is a total another oversimplification, but people say, oh, so how do you get involved in sports? And I say, well, there's really only three ways. And they kind of say, and I said, the, the first of the three ways is get your parents to buy a team. <laughs> I mean, Not that way, easy. Right? <laughs> no, get your parents or, or, or your college roommate or somebody to buy a team. Hey, there's a lot of people who got involved that way. You know, who, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but sure. there's a way to do it or start at the bottom as an internship and go through the bottom and kind of and, and become known and develop your personal brand and add some skills. The toughest way sometimes is to go through the middle, which means that you're competing against everybody else that there is who's either either been an intern or come in from the top. You're competing against everyone else. But. In, in most organizations, you have to have people who may have some experience. I mean, hey, I'd much rather, if I'm with a franchise, I'd much rather have somebody who's had an experience in sponsorship who's actually sold them, bought them, sold them, managed them, uh, evaluated them. I'd much rather have somebody do that than uh, somebody who's never done that before. So, look, oversimplification, but you know, the easiest way is to have somebody you know uh, buy a team and, and have them give you a job. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that's the best advice we've ever given on this podcast, well, but it's you know, not very good. It's, it's like buying a, uh, it's like having enough money to buy a, a, a Indianapolis uh, caliber race car, but, but unfortunately then insisting on driving it yourself, that's right. <laughs> not a good thing. Well, you know, one, one person who has really exemplified kind of what we've been talking about in terms of going from, from one place to the next, like you were talking about with their journey is Bill Schumard. Bill will be on our next episode with Fred Claire. And uh, Bill was actually mentored by Fred. And yeah. uh, funny enough, I've been me uh, mentored by Bill. So it's kind of Bill's, strange. Bill's the best. It's kind yeah. of strange to see, you know, how those things work in, in full circle. But Bill is the current CEO of Special Olympics Southern California, a uh, great man, and, and has done many other things in his sports career, which he will touch on. Uh, but but Pat really, you know, had a great time today on the episode, uh, hearing, okay. hearing all the different advice and, and tips from you. Um, hopefully our listeners out there can take at least, you know, like you were saying, one thing uh, of all the, the 50 minutes today. You know, if you can take one thing and get better, uh, I think we've done our job. So. Yeah, we can. And if you want to send us some feedback. What's the email that they send, Jake? What life, is it? Life in the front office at gmail.com. Okay. If there's any, if you, if you hated it or if there's something of value or if there's something you like to hear, um, email us at life in the front office at gmail.com. Thanks, Pat. We look forward to our next episode with Fred and Bill. And I'm sure uh, we'll have Pat on with his next guest, but we won't give that one away. Uh, we'll, you'll have to keep listening to, to see who that might be.